Hello, I'm Derek Walker, and I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today we're continuing our series on the ABCs of faith, part 12. We're talking about the importance of confessing the Word of God. Romans 4.17 says, as it is written, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him, or before him whom he believed, that's Abraham believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls forth those things which do not exist as though they did. You see, God, by faith, called the universe into existence by his words. But first, he had to have the universe conceived in his heart. He had to have it in his heart and then he spoke it forth into manifestation. And there are always two stages in the operation of faith that I want to share with you today in your own life as well. First of all, you have to believe you receive it into your heart. That is, you've got to have the revelation of this thing, that it's God's will, that it's God's promise, and you receive it from God. But then secondly, you have to speak it out into your life, into manifestation, into your experience. So you believe it in and you speak it out. Your faith receives it, but then your faith is released by your words and actions. Romans 10, verse 8 to 10 gives us these two stages. Believing it in the heart and confessing it with the mouth are given equal importance here. It says, the word is near you. Where is the word? One, in your mouth, and two, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. In other words, it's not enough for the word to be in your heart. It must also be in your mouth. That, one, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and two, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or manifestation. And so you see the word has to be in, received in the heart and believed in the heart, but it's also got to be confessed with the mouth. You believe it in your heart into a place of righteousness, of right standing in the word of God, but then you have to confess or speak it so that the power of the word is released out into your life. 2 Corinthians 4.13 gives us these same two stages. Both are important. He says, since therefore we have the same spirit of faith as Christ himself, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice the spirit of faith is not just to believe the word, but to speak the word. We believe the word into our heart and then we are to express it, speak it, we are to speak what we believe. You know, the word for spirit is the same word as for breath in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And, so, and it's interesting that the operation of faith is just like breathing. It should be as natural, naturally supernatural as breathing. Well, first you breathe in and then you breathe out, don't you? And that is the natural way of life. And it's so it is spiritually. We are to breathe in the presence of God and we are to breathe out. 
We are to breathe in the word of God and we are to speak it out. First we breathe in, we believe we receive it into our heart and then we are to breathe or speak it out and release it in that way into our life. This is the breathing of faith. We, we are to breathe in the presence of God and then we breathe it out by speaking. Unless you first breathe in, you've got nothing to breathe out. You know, if I just, if I just to breathe out and never breathed in, obviously that's going to be a mistake. So first of all, you have to receive something from God. You have to receive his promise before you can speak it out with power. It, there'll be no power otherwise. And so speaking the word of God will have no power unless you first of all received it into your heart. That's the prayer of faith. But it's not enough just to breathe in all the time. Again, if all you did was breathe in, you wouldn't be blessed, would you? You must also breathe it out. So we, we must be proficient in receiving from God and also equally speaking out, breathing out the word of God in our life. Let's look at some examples of this two-stage process. First of all, that's salvation itself, receiving the new birth, receiving eternal life. Um, the Bible says we are saved by faith alone. Hallelujah. We were saved by grace through faith and faith alone. And, uh, and so that is when we breathe in the Spirit of God. We breathe in the salvation of God by faith. John 20, 21 and 22 gives us the first time this happened. Jesus said to them again, this is the risen Jesus, peace to you, as he appeared to his disciples, he said, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and, they, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus breathed his spirit into them. He said, peace, in other words, that's forgiveness. He proclaimed the good news that through his death, there was peace with God, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit was available. And they were to, he breathed it upon them, and they were to receive that breath of life. And when you receive Jesus, he breathes his spirit in you, and you become born again. And that's the first stage, receiving your salvation from God. But then we are also told that we must confess. And so having received eternal life, we have it, we're saved. But the first thing you do is now confess Jesus is Lord. Having received Jesus as your Lord, you now must confess Jesus as your Lord if you truly are a believer. The same is true for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. First of all, you, we come to Jesus. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will fill us with the Holy Spirit, as Acts 2.4 says. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, you see, on the day of Pentecost. That's the first stage. You come and you ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. But that's not the whole of the experience. Yes, they breathed in the Holy they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and two, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as well as being filled on the inside, they also had to speak out. They had to release their faith by, by speaking in other tongues in this case, as the Spirit gave them the words. So first you, you receive by the prayer of faith, you believe you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and then you speak out what you've received. 
That's the gift of tongues. Healing is received the same way. You come to God, you believe, you receive that healing power that Jesus paid the price for on the cross. You come and you believe you receive that healing power. But then you need to call it into manifestation. Then you need to say, Lord, I thank you. I've received that healing power is working in me now. Sickness, be gone out of my body. And you speak. And by speaking the word of God, you release that healing power, bringing the healing to manifestation. Let's see now how Jesus operated in the spirit of faith in these two stages, if you like, of faith. And the classic example here is the fig tree, the cursing of the fig tree. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 and let's read verse 12 to 14. It says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar off a fig tree with leaves, he went to see if perhaps he'd find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, when he said this, there was no obvious change. But we, we read from the Gospels that actually God's power immediately went to work the moment he spoke the word of faith. And that power was bringing the, what he said to pass. We know that from Matthew 21.19. It says, he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And then it says, immediately the fig tree withered away. Now that's interesting. Immediately, immediately the power of God went to work in the invisible realm, under the ground, withering the tree from its roots. We, we'll see from Mark's gospel, in fact, that the visible manifestation of this was not actually obvious until the next day. So to the natural eye, nothing changed when Jesus said those words. We see that in a minute. But Matthew definitely tells us that the fig tree started to wither away immediately because the power of God was released under the ground where the roots were. And that's how it is when we speak the word of God in faith. The power of God is released and goes to work. And the manifestation takes place in due time after that. Let's, let's see that in Mark 11 verse 20. It says, now in the morning, this is the next day now, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots and they were surprised. That shows that nothing seemed to happen immediately. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, that fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And you see, although the power went immediately to the roots, it wasn't immediately visible, but it was the next day. And in the same way, when we speak the word of faith, there may be a time lag before the manifestation, but God's power goes to work at once, in the spirit, attacking the problem, attacking that sickness at the roots. See, Jesus did it by the word of faith. He spoke it. But before he, could, before he spoke that word of faith, he obviously had to be in faith before he could speak that word with power. He had to first believe he received that thing from God into his heart. You see, he did nothing independently from God. 
he, he didn't just go away doing this to random fig trees. He had received this specific thing from God for a reason. And God gave him the faith to do it. He gave him the command to do it. And so first of all, Jesus had to believe it in his heart. Then he spoke it with his mouth. Actually, this was a gift of faith in operation here because there isn't a promise of the Bible that says you can curse fig trees. And so, normally speaking, you would not have faith because faith comes from the word of God to do something like this. But sometimes God gives you a gift of faith. That is, a little drop of his faith. And Jesus had that faith then to curse that fig tree because it was to be an acted parable of the judgment coming on Israel. And a gift of faith is when God drops his faith in, in your heart for a certain purpose. And that faith, though, has to then be released by a word of faith. The difference with the working of miracles is that, again, there's faith in your heart, but you release the, that faith with the working of miracles by some action that you do. And as you do that action, the power is released and the miracle is wrought. But in this case, Jesus simply spoke the end result in the gift of faith. And so we'll see, actually, in the next few verses, which are the key verses on faith, Jesus gives an explanation of how he did this miracle. And he confirmed that it was this two-stage process. That is, he did it by the spoken word, but it was the word of faith. So that before he spoke it with his mouth, he had already believed he received it from God in his heart. And, and so his disciples desired to know, how, Jesus? How did you do this? And Jesus then told them the process of faith that he used. Why did they ask him, you know, how? Had they asked him why he did it, he would have explained it. It was all to do with Israel, but that's another story. Well, Jesus actually... His answer was amazing because he says that we are all made to operate in that same kind of faith that he did. This wasn't something special because he was the son of God. Because in verse 22 it says that Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, that's a, that's a good saying, but it's not what the original says. Literally it says, have the faith of God. Or, operate, have the God kind of faith. You see, we are made in God's image. We are designed to operate in faith the same way that God operates. How does God operate in faith? He believed it, the universe in his heart and he spoke it with his mouth. That's the God kind of faith and it was. The spirit was released to do it. This is the kind of faith that calls forth those things that be not as if though they were. That speaks the end result and believes that what you say will come to pass. This faith calls God the answer forth from the spirit into the natural as God did. He spoke it out of his spirit. In the same way we can say wisdom, having, if we've received wisdom from God, then we can say wisdom, come forth into my mind. Healing, come forth into my body. Finances, blessing, come forth. Blessing, flow forth. Hallelujah. By our words of faith, we bring things forth out of our spirit, out of our heart, into the natural experience. We command the desired result. As God believed the universe in his spirit, he conceived it in his spirit. Then he spoke it by faith, believing that what he said would come to pass. So we, according to Jesus, 
are to operate in the same kind of faith. Hallelujah. And Jesus confirmed this in verse 23. Because he said, Surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Now it's interesting. This literally means he does not allow doubt to enter his heart. This means that this person has already entered into faith. And now he speaks his faith. And Jesus is saying it's important that he protects his heart from doubt getting in. So he says, surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not allow doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. He will have it manifested. You see, we must speak to the mountain, the mountain that stands in the way of our answer. We must speak to it, not beg God to remove it. When we speak the faith command, God's power is released against the problem to remove it. It may look immovable, but it's nothing compared to God's power. So we call the answer forth. We say, answer be, and we also say, mountain be removed. Healing come and sickness be removed, you see. Our job is not to remove the mountain by our own strength or power, but to speak the word of faith by, author by our authority and then trust the Holy Spirit to do it. And, and we see that from the Old Testament scripture that stands behind Mark 11:23, and it's in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by human might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone, the final manifestation, because he was building the temple, and the capstone meant that the temple was now completed. He will bring forth the completed manifestation with shouts of grace, grace to it. You see, what does this mean? He says that Zerubbabel is to shout grace, grace. Grace is God's promised answer. It's his blessing, it's his healing, it's what God has freely given to his people. And so they are to receive the grace of God into their heart and then release it by speaking, by shouting even. Confident, joyful shouts of faith. Grace, grace, you declare the final result that God has given to you. And that will cause the manifestation to come forth and any mountain in the way to be removed. And it's not done by human might or power, but it's the Spirit of God that does it who is released as we declare the Word of God. The power of God released will remove any mountain or obstacle standing in the way of the manifestation. We can speak the positive and we can speak against the negative. And that Jesus promised in Mark 11:23 that the Spirit of God will back up our command and manifest what we say because he says he will have whatever he says. Only though if he believes that what he says will come to pass. So we can only successfully speak the answer forth if we're in faith already. If we've already believed we've received it. And this is confirmed as I said that we are not to let doubt into our heart. In other words, before we can fulfill Mark 11:23, we must have already believed we've received it in our heart. And then we must maintain that position of faith, believing that what we've received will come to pass. 
And so, before we can implement Mark 11.23, speaking the word, believing that it will come to pass, we must already know that we have it, we possess it in our spirit. And that means that before we call it forth, we must already have received it from God. And that's why Mark 11.24 comes next. It clarifies this. Because Jesus says, well, first, you're going to have to believe you receive it. Mark 11.24, therefore... See, he's connecting this to Mark 11:23. In order to fulfill verse 23, there's something you have to do beforehand to satisfy that heart condition required. He says, therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You see, he's telling us how to get into position to make that faith command in verse 23. Notice he says, to have the answer is in both 23 and 24. 24 says, if you believe you receive it, you will have it. But verse 23 says, if you say it and believe that what you say will come to pass, you will have it. Which is right. They're both right. The first key is, you must believe you receive it when you pray. But then you must say it and you will have what you say. Praise God. That's the two stages of the operation of the God kind of faith. We must believe it into our heart and then we must say it with our mouth. Once you've believed you received your healing, then you need to speak it into your body and speak it, command sickness to be removed and the power of the Spirit will be released to do it. Praise God. Well, having it, therefore, does not just depend on us receiving it, verse 24, but also on saying it by faith. Jesus only promised we'll have it if we say it, believing that what we say will come to pass. We will have it if we believe we receive it and then we say it, calling it forth by our words of faith. Praise God. To have something in manifestation, therefore, we must receive it from God through the prayer of faith and then speak it forth by the word of faith, commanding any obstacles to be removed. Hallelujah. All right, well... This is the order uh, that Mark 11:23 to 25 actually gives us the detail. Order, and it's actually in reverse order, you might say. And, and so he says, to have the answer, you must say it and believe that what you say comes to pass. He says, therefore, to do this, verse 24, you must believe you receive it in prayer. And then, in verse 25, he adds another thing. Even before that, even before you can believe you receive it, you must make sure you're walking in forgiveness or else your prayer will be hindered. He says, whenever you stand praying, ready to pray that prayer of faith, to believe you receive. If you have aught against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So if we put this all together in order, he says, first of all, you must make sure you're in forgiveness. Then secondly, Come to God and believe you receive it in your spirit. And then thirdly, then you can speak it forth into your life from your heart of faith, believing that it will come to pass, trusting the Holy Spirit to do it. Hallelujah. And so we've seen that having believed we've received it, we should thank God for it. You see, we should open our mouth and thank God that his power is now working to do it. It's coming to pass. Jesus' name, we call it forth into manifestation. We command that mountain to be removed, to get out of our sight, never to return. Praise God. We speak with authority 
out of a heart of faith because we believed we've received it. That's the God kind of faith. Mark 11, 23 and 24 work together. They promise that we'll have the answer manifested if we believe we receive it in our spirit. And then we use our God-given authority to speak it into the earth in Jesus' name. We believe in God's promise that he'll bring to pass what we say. We don't have to bring it to pass. We're cooperating with God. We're walking with God. We're agreeing with God. We're believing it and then we're speaking it. We're breathing it in and then we're breathing it out into our life. And so let's pray that prayer of faith right now. Get ready. You know, is there something you're trying to receive from God? Well, first of all, have you, is your heart right? Have you forgiven? Do you have aught against any? Are you holding on to bitterness? You need to let go of that now because that will paralyze your heart from receiving from God. It'll create a barrier. So forgive them right now. Say, I forgive you now. In the name of Jesus, I release you into God's hands to, for God to deal with you. But I let go of my judgment against you. I will not punish you. I forgive you. I trust you to God. And then you come to God. Are you confident that that thing is God's will? Do you have scriptures that, that cover your case? Are you confident that God is ready to give you that thing when you ask? That he is the God of the immediate response? Then come to him right now and pray and say, God, I come to you. Right now, I believe I receive my healing. I re- believe I receive healing power. I believe I receive wisdom. I receive it now, confident, because you told me I could do that. And if you've believed you've received it, what do you do now? Have a look to see if it worked? No. You've got it. It's yours. The answer is in your heart. But now you need to confess the promise unto manifestation. You need to say, I have it now. The promise is mine. That healing is mine. God's healing power is working in my body, removing all sickness. Speak to the mountain in your way, and you will have what you say. Sickness... Be removed from my body in Jesus' name.